0: Welcome to the state of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Stanzial. Chris, we are going to stuff this episode fatter than a Thanksgiving turkey served to a giant family party.
1: Yeah, to tis the season. I'm happy Thanksgiving's right around the corner. Looking forward to the Battle for Atlantis coming off a nice little weekend for Villanova sports. It's it's a wonderful time to be a Wildcat. Oh, it was a great time to be a Wildcat.
0: Between basketball putting up another hundred point game. Football with the backs against the wall, serving as a spoiler. Volleyball, winning two big games to make it into the Big East tournament. We got some great action from women's basketball. We also got nationals updates from cross country. It was just a loaded weekend in Villanova Athletics. A great one. We're going to break it all down. We're also going to talk about the battle for Atlantis. Brendan Riley will be with us later on the show to talk about it. But first... We got to talk about this game that happened last Friday. Villanova versus Lafayette. The Wildcats, they looked like they returned to form. God, it did not look like they could miss at all. Winning, beating the Lafayette Leopards 104-57. to Almost doubled down, but this game was over very early. You could have stopped watching with about 10 minutes to go in the first half, and you would already had your fill of Villanova basketball. But honestly, it was a great one to watch. Ball movement was all over the place. It was great. It was on point. It looked fun. They weren't missing anything. Another career high for Mikhail Bridges. 24 points, 9 of 10 shooting, 4 boards. And then Jalen Brunson, 22 points. Probably had the quietest 20-point game. I think we were talking about this a little bit off wax. But he, he had 22 points, 9 of 11 Four boards, four steals, and six assists. Great game from JB Crossover. And overall, just a starting five. No one was in single digits in that starting lineup. That was just a great display of Villanova basketball.
1: Yeah, kind of reminds you of the 2016 run especially more specifically the Oklahoma game where they just couldn't miss at all. It was just shooting the lights out from everywhere on the court. Jalen with his classic elbow pull up. I, I don't know how many times he must've hit that. It was a, just a great game all around. No complaints whatsoever. And I think they said on the broadcast, it was the first time since the 08, 09 season that they scored a hundred points in back-to-back games, which, was against Marquette and Syracuse, both games were at home. Thinking about it, I don't remember either of those games. I think I remember the Syracuse one a little bit, but I don't remember the Marquette one at all.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially you know, after that first game, the offense looked a little rusty against Columbia. Second game against Nichols State. They seemed to get their feet under them a little more. Ran fast paced, blitzed the Colonels with their offense. But this time around it just seemed like a well complete game. They just suffocated Lafayette. And then on the other end, they were just pouring it on from deep. 14 of 21 from the starting lineup. That's a really impressive performance from deep. But not only that, they were shooting like 60% the whole time. I don't know how this is going to sustain, but I don't care. That was just a great exhibition of Villanova basketball. Great way to take care of business at the PPL Center. And it did not look like the last time they were there. That was an ugly one.
1: Yeah, I don't know if this, this type of play is going to sustain itself, but if they play just half of what they're doing right now, they should, just, they should be able to beat the best of them.
0: Yeah, one thing I enjoyed, once again, Mikael Bridges, so aggressive on offense. You know, it's definitely not top-tier competition, but it's just great to see him get used to this aggressive mentality. A lot of people talk about his passivity. Once again, we saw him take control, be aggressive, get to the hole, and he didn't miss a single three-point shot. That first game was definitely not telling, but it's great to see him be hot going into the battle for Atlantis where we're going to need everybody, all hands on deck, veterans to the freshmen to hopefully come out with another midseason early tournament title.
1: Yeah, I love how I ragged on Mikhail Bridges' three-point shooting basically for the first three, four episodes of this year. And he's been playing out of his mind. So good for him. I can't say enough about him. We're running out of superlatives at this point.
0: Yeah, what I loved was last year we saw him excel from inside the arc. I think he was at least 75%. He barely missed from inside the arc. And then from Long range he was shooting above 40%. But people saw like, oh, you know, it's just a product of him being maybe the third, fourth option. Everyone's too focused on Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson, Chris Jenkins. But we're really starting to see him step out into his own, which I really love. I'm loving, this. I'm loving his game so far. He's showing he can be a complete player. Hopefully, he continues this play and kicks it up a notch once he goes against the Tennessees, the Purdue's, the Arizona's that we might see this Thanksgiving weekend.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right on that. You really can't assess how exactly they're playing until they play you know, a team of actual <laughs> stature <laughs> as some repertoire within the NCAA. But yeah, like you said, they're just... They're hitting all their shots. They're firing on all cylinders. But we are going to need all hands on deck. We're going to need these type of performances, like from Phil Booth this past game. 11 points, 4 or 5 shooting, 3 or 4 from deep. Those are the type of performances, like those little X-Factor supplemental players that are going to help you big time. So you can't just rely on Bridges and Brunson to pull up pop from deep or from the elbow and hope that you win every game by 50. (laughs) It's a great point. And I'm
0: loving the game from Phil Booth. He's looking... Great on that, on those legs, on those knees. We remember last year how he didn't really come out great. It turned out that he was having a nagging knee injury. This time around, no signs of that. He's playing very well. I heard that they were managing his minutes. There were a few rumors going into the Lafayette game that he wouldn't be starting or playing. But he ended up showing up, 20 minutes of action, looked great on the floor. He's looking like he's got his shot down again. I'm loving his game. And, of course, Boogie and Air Pascal took care of business in the paint. It's just fun to watch these guys again. And Jalen Brunson it just puts it all together as the floor general, the capitán, the leader on the floor. I love what I'm seeing from him. But then you look at the bench. What do you think about the rookies so far? We've now seen three games. And I guess by rookies, I mean true freshmen. Demir Cosby, Roundtree look great. Gillespie looks pretty good. Samuels, maybe he'll get there soon. I mean, I can't can't really knock him too much because he's he is still a new guy and he's still getting used to it. And there's a lot of time, a lot of basketball left.
1: Yeah. Again, we, we rag on Colin Gillespie for basically an entire episode, and he's probably playing the best of all the freshmen so far. But like we said, it's still early. But, yeah, he, Gillespie, I really haven't had any problems with him. He hasn't had, like, a major brain fart where you're like, oh, that's a freshman mistake type ordeal. And honestly, he's if there's one player – coming in that i would think it would come from it's him but so far so good i can't really fault him on anything dcr looks pretty good too he looked lost in the first game he was like going over the back thinking this is high school and he wasn't going to get any calls against them but he's he's learned in the past two games you guys box out stay back let you know sometimes let the other guy get the rebound it's probably best to do that than pick up your, your second or third foul of the half and then samuels it looks like he's really pressing honestly and I feel once he has a game where he solidifies himself and Jay gets some some solid minutes, I think he'll settle in. So I'm not too worried right now, but it does seem like he's forcing up shots. He's trying to do a little bit too much. And as a freshman, you don't really want that. You kind of want to ease him in. I'm proud that he's, you know, actually going out and trying to do things. And he's he's obviously frustrated with his performance. You can tell when he goes back to the bench during timeouts, you can tell he he's just not too happy with himself. But at the same time, he's definitely the most talented coming in. So I, I'm not too worried yet.
0: Yeah, Cosby Roundtree looked great against Lafayette. Eight points, five boards. Gillespie, yeah, I haven't really had a problem with him. Hasn't been doing too much. He does what he needs to do. He seems like he's become or he's bought into his role on the team. He knows that this is an Archbishop Wood. He's going to have to work his way back up. And so far, he's doing what he's asked to do. He's taking care of business. I like it. Samuel's five turnovers. He does look a little nervous out there. Like you said, it looks like he's beating himself up for it. But I do like the leadership. You see guys like Dante DiVincenzo talk to him, you know, help him clear his head a little bit, or Jalen's going out to him, talking to him, giving him some pointers. I just think that once once he can just let loose, get back to just playing basketball, not thinking about it too much, not worrying too much, he's going to be great. But so far he looks a little nervous, which I'll be honest, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often to freshmen. (laughs) Yeah. especially when they come into a pretty big program like Villanova and then you know you got TV networks you're on national TV I don't I'm surprised it doesn't happen more not too worried. a lot of basketball left hopefully he comes out to his own when he gets to maybe have a little R&R when he's not at practice or playing games at, at in Atlantis but uh we'll see we'll see what happens there
1: yeah everything can be flipped on his head in Atlantis he could come out guns blazing and basically carry the team to win against Western Kentucky and Purdue and Arizona, you know, you don't know. So it's still a little too early to assess where he's exactly going with this season. So I'm not, don't, don't get too worked up yet.
0: I will say it was nice to see the bench mob again. That's always, that's always fun.
1: Yeah. They got some substantial playing time. (laughs) They did. They really did. It was good to see them. It was, you had all four out there. Pretty nice.
0: Yeah. I know the stat sheet says two minutes, but I'll be honest. I honestly thought it was I thought they had at least five or something. Yeah, like
1: that. <laughs> it, d- it certainly feels like it. So, yeah, it's great to get the namesake back out there.
0: So Villanova's cruised its way so far through the schedule, 3 and zero, two one hundred 100 100-point games, looking pretty hot, going into Battle for Atlantis, looking pretty warmed up. Let's see if we can get Brendan J. Riley on the phone. Let's call him up. He's going to help us break it down. We're going to preview this tournament, talk about some more Villanova basketball stuff and things that you should look out for. When you're not Black Friday shopping or eating a turkey leg.
2: Hey guys, how's it going?
0: Hey, what's up, Brendan? Brendan, how are
2: you? Oh, doing pretty good. Back from vacation. Uh, was up at the uh, Lafayette game, so that was a, a nice, enjoyable experience. <laughs> and uh, just revving up for a week of turkey and basketball. Yeah, how was Disney World and all that? Oh, it was amazing. Didn't get to catch the Villanova game, but getting to watch my daughter have her first visit with Mickey Mouse was an incredible sight to see. Now we're back. I need a vacation from that vacation because I'm dead tired from it. The good thing that's exciting me and got me going is Villanova has just looked really, really good in their past couple games. And uh, while... Granted, it's not all sustainable. There's a lot to like about this club this year.
0: Yeah, these last two games, they've looked great, especially that Lafayette game. Look, light years ahead of how they looked against Columbia. With this three-day tournament coming up, which team do you think we're going to see?
2: I think we're going to see Western Kentucky. That's the team I'm expecting to see. Now, uh, (laughs) Villanova, I think, is going to maybe not be as good of a shooting team as we saw against Lafayette. I'd love to say we're going to get 16 threes a game, but I think that's a little unsustainable. The good news is that on the year right now, even with that big game, they're shooting about 39% from deep. And over the past couple of years, they've stayed in that 36 to 37% range. So even if we drop down to maybe 34, 35%, I still think it's a very talented three-point shooting team. I think it's a a team that are, are... is going to be exceptionally good at shooting from inside the arc, where I think it was going to be where they make a lot of their money this year. And in terms of how that's going to affect the defense, I I think our ability to score is going to put a lot of pressure on other teams and cause them to make some, let's say, rash decisions, which our defense should be able to handle.
0: That, that sounds good to me. I mean, we'd all love to shoot 65%, 70% a night, but obviously a lot of averages won't let that happen. But maybe this team, Western Kentucky, it is the first team we're going to see. They're not the best defensively. Which Wildcats do you see cooking against them?
2: I think this is going to be a big game for Dante DiVincenzo. He's coming off a a three-point effort (laughs) against Lafayette. He was maybe the only guy that couldn't get it going of the guys that are going to play 20-plus minutes a game for us. So I'd look for him to have a big bounce-back game in, in this one uh, especially given that they're just not going to have a good matchup for him at the three.
0: Yeah, that's pretty fair. I mean, this is a Western Kentucky team that kind of wishes it had Mitchell Robinson. It's trying to do the best it can, but that loss to Missouri State just was not pretty. Not pretty at all.
2: Yeah, and, and their their defense is e- exceptionally bad. They're giving other teams. Uh, they're averaging an effective field goal percentage of sixty point seven percent. And that's against Missouri State and Kentucky Wesleyan. <laughs> I I cannot imagine that they're going to be able to do anything to stop Villanova. Yeah, and
1: just from looking at past two games and their, and their distributed minutes, it looks like they really only roll six deep with another guy kind of trickling in there for seven. Like, they don't really even have the depth at all, so they won't even have the legs to keep up with our deep rotation on top of yeah. the talent differential.
2: Yeah, and if you're looking for a second Wildcat... To- go off in this game specifically in an area that we need some help in the the one deficiency on offense villanova's had is getting to the free throw line they've been okay when they get there but the problem is they just haven't gotten there at all and if you want to look at the biggest reason that that number is down it's phil booth he's had exactly one free throw on the season through three games and i just don't see that continuing he's too good of a shot maker and too good at taking it to the basket and getting in with the big guys for him not to be getting to the line more often so I'd look for Phil Booth to be a lot more aggressive in this game to have some more opportunities at the free throw line as well
1: I'm actually happy you brought that up Brandon because I've kind of noticed that he's Phil's kind of actually shot away from driving a little bit this year I I I mean I don't know if you've observed the same but do you think it's because of the knee injury or do you think he's just trying to you know correct other parts of his game before really you know hammering home what he knows he's good at
2: i think there's two points i think that it could be a little bit to have with the injury but i i tend not to think that i think it's small sample size one he just hasn't gotten those opportunities yet and two villanova has a lot more presence inside this year than they've had in the past when you can instead of driving it to the basket and having to deal with what the defense is doing with you when you can drive and dish to a Spellman or a Pascal who can slam at home on the inside, I, I that's the higher percentage option. And Booth is a smart player. He makes the right pass. I
0: think when Villanova's going against a team that can't really defend the interior attack all that well, and even worse from beyond the arc, I think even though they, the Hilltoppers have Justin Johnson, a guy who can get a double-double, he's only one guy. It's not going to be enough. I think it's safe to say that Villanova wins this one. Probably rather comfortably.
2: I think that's very safe to say. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Sharpie.
0: Sounds good to me. After that, we got Tennessee and Purdue. What do you guys like? Not like? What stands out to you about both of these teams?
2: I'll, I'll touch on Tennessee first because I actually think that's the less likely team that we're going to play. But don't be fooled. This is still a very good team. They're ranked 40th overall by Ken Palm. They're 2-0 and on the season and they're a very good defensive team, especially, and this is where Villanova could have some issues, they're very good at defending inside the arc. Tennessee can pack it in. They're currently 7th in opposition's uh, 2-point shooting percentage, and they're 12th in block percentage. So they're long, they're athletic, and they're going to give Villanova problems on the interior. As far as their offense goes, they're very, they've are very they got some very good three-point shooters, but I think Villanova's shown this year that they can protect the outside, um, and Tennessee's just not that great at both getting to the foul line and shooting from the foul line, and I think that's an area where Villanova is going to have a slight advantage over them. Overall, I, I wouldn't be too concerned with with the uh, volunteers, but it's by it would easily be the most difficult game Villanova had all season.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I didn't even realize they were that high on Kenpom. Fortieth. I, I actually thought they would be actually kind of worse. They're actually one spot behind Creighton. So yeah, they're not they're not some pushover. And I think they'll give Purdue a game.
2: Yeah, and Purdue uh, on the other side, they are a very good team, and they've proved it all, already. They uh-huh. they went to Marquette and won by fifteen already on the season. They're ranked 11th overall in Ken Palm. And this is a team that Villanova does not match up well against. They are long and athletic, just like they are, They're just like we are this year. They can shoot the three. They can shoot it from the inside. And Haas is going to be an issue for Spellman. Uh, Spellman might be able to have some success scoring on him, although he's had a a little more difficulty than I thought he would around the rim. Um, He's still finishing well, but it's been against lower, lesser talent and definitely not against anyone that's 7-2. As far as the uh, perimeter defense goes, Purdue hasn't been as good at defending the perimeter, which was a little surprising given their length. So if we can get hot again from three, it's definitely an advantage for us. But they've shown a propensity to shoot it from outside, and they've got a point guard, uh, Carson Edwards, that's really, really been just playing great this year. He's shooting 47% from three. He's shooting over 66% inside the arc. Uh, He's kind of their do-it-all guy, and then you still have to 10 with a front court of Vincent Edwards and, and Isaac Haas and they are they're going to be as good of a front court as anyone will see in the Big East this year
1: yeah just just as a team like we we think Villanova's been playing great and they have been but Purdue's had 300 point games and as you mentioned earlier they went into Marquette and beat them down I, I, I thought they really didn't really struggle with them at all and if you look at their team stats so far through these four games 56 percent from the field 57 percent from the field overall 72 percent from the line and Forty nine percent from deep. I mean, they're playing great, obviously. So, but we can at least take some solace in the fact that it, they might regress a little bit when they go to Atlantis, because uh, that that type of play is kind of unsustainable. But they they are a fantastic team, and they scare me in every which way. Because, like you said, they just Villanova just doesn't match up well with them. And Spellman against Haas, that's concerning. Because of the points you mentioned, but also I'd like to make point that Spellman kind of had some foul trouble in the first couple games this year. So I don't know if hopefully he's able to stay on the court and mitigate the fact that he's actually going to be fouling a lot against Haas. So if he goes out and you got spin on him, he might be in for a long night.
2: Yeah, the one thing we do will we'll match up better with Purdue this year rather than last year, though, is Villanova's been playing on a much faster tempo. And I know that's somewhat skewed by the uh, Nickel State game where they had, like, 90 possessions or something like, something crazy like that. But even in their lowest possession game of the year so far, which was Columbia, that was a 69-possession game. And Villanova has shown that they can still have a methodical, just push opponents deep into the shot clock on defense and be patient and wait for the right shot on offense. But because of their athleticism, they're creating turnovers on defense faster and they're be able being able to get on in transition and create shots faster on offense that are good shots so they're going to play at the same pace that Purdue wants to play at which is a not a run and gun offense I wouldn't say but Purdue definitely plays faster than the majority of the country and I think we'll be able to match that no problem
0: no Caleb Swanigan for Purdue this time around we all know we saw how great he was against Villanova and just overall last year. Besides that, what do you think will be different this time around? What do you think we'll see that we might not have gotten to see last year? Or how will this game just be in a general basketball sense compared to last year?
2: I think it's going to be a, a faster game, not just in terms of tempo, but in terms of ball movement. Villanova was a very good ball movement team last year. And they have shown that they're exactly the same this year. But Purdue has just made an offensive leap on the perimeter this season from the games that I've watched them in. And they can really, really get things going on offense. I think this game is going to be a fantastic matchup. And it's actually probably going to be Villanova having a little bit of an edge on defense that could win this game for us because – Offensively, I think Villanova is Ken Palm's third-ranked team. Purdue is Ken Palm's sixth-ranked team. They are right there with each other on offense. So I think it's going to be one of the more exciting games to watch in the tournament if it comes to fruition.
0: I just want to throw out another name out there for Purdue. His name's Dakota Mathias. He's a senior guard. Didn't really do anything last year. He's been under the radar. But this year, he's really coming to his own. As a senior, he's shooting the ball real well, lights out from deep, maybe another guy to watch for. But just looking at this game, I know you said that Villanova will likely see Purdue. What are the chances that Villanova gets upset here, doesn't get a shot at the final?
2: It's um, probably higher than people want to admit. I would say that Villanova would have a 33% chance at an upset here. It's... Purdue is no slouch team. Purdue is the kind of team that you're going to want a win over on your resume when it comes to seeding for the NCAA tournament. They are going Mm -hmm. to be a really, really good win. This is the team, this is one of two teams that's going to push um, Michigan State in the Big Ten. If you're looking for a Big East comparison, this is their Xavier or Seton Hall.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a spot on comparison right there. I mean, you got the height for more of a seat and hole oriented and they got the guard play like Xavier. So they're, they're just, they attack you from all angles and yeah, Villanova's chance of getting upset here. It's yeah. Like you said, Brendan, it's pretty, it's higher than people realize I'd say it's 60, 40. I won't go and give, Purdue the the fav- be them make them the favorite there, but I, I still think Villanova prevails in this. And Purdue is awfully scary, and I really want to face them again. I think the fact that we faced them last year and then we face them if we potentially face them this year that'd be pretty cool. Maybe we can start a little budding rivalry, quote unquote. unquote. It, it, it'd be nice. I like to see them again. All right, so we
0: have Villanova going to the finals. I know everyone's been talking Arizona. I'd say there's probably a 1% chance that we see a team not named Arizona in the final round, right?
2: Probably less than that. I mean, you're looking at a team that has been even better than, than uh, advertised. I mean, Alonzo Trier is a hell of a player, and they've got so much NBA talent on this team. They are an impressive team to watch. And it's a team that a lot of people are saying should be the number one overall team in the country right now.
1: Brendan, can you actually bring up the stat that you were telling us off air before? Because I, I think the people should know. Because I, I was fascinated <laughs> by what you
2: said. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're looking at um, – for, uh, I got this from a, another great basketball podcast, a One Shining Podcast, uh, if you are looking to expand your podcast repertoire. <laughs> but um, they made the point, which is kind of scary, that – Arizona could, not will, but could have both the best player in college basketball, uh, the the MVP for the season, and the NBA number one overall pick, and have it not be the same person, which is just mind-boggling to me. <laughs> it,
1: it truly is. Truly is. So Trier would be the MVP, and then I'm assuming Aiton would be first overall.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, that, that guy's going to be uh, – He's going to be a great center uh, in the NBA for a long time.
1: Yeah, for sure. And Trier's already got thirty, po- 30 averaging 30 points per game
2: right now. It's, they got something brewing over there. <laughs> yeah, that, that helps. Um, and, <laughs> I mean, it, you're talking about a team that is, I think their offense is number two on Ken Palm. They're shooting over 50% from three as a team. Uh, they <laughs> They don't get blocked ever they are shooting over 80% from the free throw over they're top 20 in like every single offensive stat it's ridiculous the the one area that they actually have some deficiency in is that they're not good at creating turnovers not that they need to cuz they score on almost every one of their possessions and they are susceptible to the 3 so that's the one area where you can be Arizona but you get hot from three, you can be pretty much any team in the country. So that's not as much of a. Uh, it's not like Villanova is going to start shooting more threes. Like, I don't know if that's possible.
0: I think Omari Spellman's about to have his work cut out for him, especially if everything falls as we envision it or as planned. I mean, you have Isaac Haas one night, then you have DeAndre Ayton the next night. Definitely going to be a tough challenge. How do you think O'Boogie is going to stack up against Aiden? Two young centers, two very talented centers. What do you expect to see from them?
2: Unlike the Haas matchup, I actually think Spellman can do a lot better offensively against Aiden. Haas has that experience and knows how to be a rim protector, and he's a senior and is just going to be a very, very difficult matchup for a freshman. Aiden is a very talented guy, but any freshman – center in college basketball just that they don't have their footwork down on defense yet it's that simple um so it's i'm not saying it's going to be easy but i think Spellman actually fare better in that matchup now that being said uh it's going to be difficult for Spellman to uh as we already mentioned uh stay out of foul trouble in these games and if you're wondering why you saw tim delaney get in with 10 minutes to go in the Lafayette game, I'd say that's a big reason why Jay's looking at these center matchups, and he knows he's going to need someone to step in and soak up some fouls and Delaney's. That's pro- Delaney DCR. That's going to be their roles. Uh, they are going to have to do their best to contain, maybe not even contain, but just at least foul a guy instead of giving him easy buckets, so that they can give Spellman a rest, or in worst case scenario, uh, get through the time he has to be on the bench when in foul trouble.
0: What does Villanova need to do to be holding up the trophy when it's all said and done, or what does Arizona need to do to stop the, the other Wildcats?
2: <sighs> if Arizona can get out and stop Villanova from making threes, it's going to be a much more difficult game for the Wildcats, because normally you're fine with that because Villanova has the talent and athleticism to blow by an aggressive perimeter defender, find the open man inside or get to the rim. But Arizona is going to have some really athletic long guys in the middle there and they're same with Purdue. They're going to be able to make it a lot more difficult than it has been for Villanova to score from inside the arc. So Villanova can't force the defense to expand out by hitting threes, um, it's going to be a long day for them. And like I said before, this team isn't as good a three-point shooter shooting team as we've seen in the past, despite the Lafayette game. But they have shown a a better ability to get get it done on the inside. On the defensive end, Villanova is going to have to do a better job in both their man and zone because... They're going to start off in man, and because of foul trouble, which I think is going to be coming in this tournament, they're going to have to get into the zone sometimes. And so far this, this year, I haven't loved the way the zone looks uh, for defense. I don't think it's anywhere far as developed as the man is right now um, or the matchup zone that they play. So if they go, have to go into a true zone, I think that, that could get ugly for Villanova.
0: Alright, so a couple weeks ago we had you guys on here. We walked through the schedule. We gave our predictions. Still stand by what you say, Brendan. And how about you, Chris? I know, Chris, you said we would lose one game at Battle for Atlantis, and Brendan had us winning. Do you guys stick to your guns, or are you going to change it?
2: Well, I'm looking at this Arizona team and they're just so... (laughs) Of course I'm sticking to my guns! (laughs) Villanova is a great team. Mikel Bridges is starting to be able to – another knock on him this year has been that he hasn't been able to quote-unquote make his shot. Well, guess what? On this team, he's got plenty of other people that can set him up for shots, and he just mm-hmm. keeps knocking them down, whether they be on the inside, whether they be breaking to the basket, or whether they be in transition. He is an astounding player, and we've got enough people around him to – mitigate whatever flaw we think that is Dante DiVincenzo I think could end up being the highest scoring player by the end of the season I think he is just amazing when it comes to both sides of the floor and being able to contribute off the bench makes him that much more valuable for us and the the guy that makes it all go is Jalen Brunson he is undoubtedly whether showing up in the in the Top three scorers or not, the reason Villanova can win games. Spellman is going to be a very good player. He still has a, a long way to go, I think, but he's, his starting point is so far ahead of what we've seen from freshman centers in the past that it's just unbelievable. Uh, this team is really good, and there's a reason they're ranked so high. Arizona is also a very good team, and I think that that game could go either way. But I'll give the advantage to Villanova because I want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm, I'm going to stick by my guns as well. I still think we trip up somewhere down the road. But that's if we face Arizona. And I only think we're going to lose to Arizona. If we don't end up playing Arizona – then we'll win the Battle for Atlanta. Is no issue, but I think they'll get past Purdue. They'll get past Western Kentucky, obviously, but Arizona. Just I don't know. I just don't know. They're just so good, and I know Villanova is so good too. But I just I just like Trier a little bit too much more than the usual guy, I guess. And Aiton has. Like I've watched highlights of him for the past couple of years, and I know high school highlights don't really translate to college, but he's just—he's a fantastic player. I'll just give them the slight edge, the slightest of edges. So, I'm sticking by my predictions as well.
2: Yeah, I'll say that if Villanova has a hard-fought game with Arizona and comes away losing by you know two to five points, I don't think anyone's going to be upset with that. I mean, it'll be disappointing for sure. Right, but that's the kind of game that if you lose, you're not you're not going to win every game against an elite opponent.
1: Yeah, for sure, and we can potentially see them down the road in March, so I mean, don't want to tip your hand completely like, we, that's what we thought when we played Oklahoma. we thought same thing, like you know, play them hard tough, whatever it's it's okay, and then we end up getting blown out, and then we end up blowing them out a couple of months down the road, so I, I think this is it's got that type of feel to it as well that this is not going to be the last time we see them.
2: Yeah, but that said, I haven't seen – I've watched Duke play. I've watched Arizona play. I've watched these top five teams play. I haven't seen anybody that Villanova can't play with this season. No, for sure,
1: I agree. I, I think Villanova can keep up with everyone, everyone and be everyone. To, uh, no one's really impressed me to the point where they're delineating themselves from the rest of the pack. So, I mean, I, it's kind of bunched up at the top. But, yeah, Villanova's right there with them, if not better than most of them.
0: <laughs> there you have it. Brendan, thanks for joining us to break down the Battle for Atlantis. The first game is against Western Kentucky this Wednesday at two thirty p.m. I know you all will be watching. Thanks, Uh-oh.
2: guys. Have a good one.
0: You too. Thank you. You too. Once again, that was Brendan Riley. You can follow him on Twitter at Brendan Riley thirty-seven. I believe he picked thirty-seven. I guess next time he comes on air, we should ask him why the number thirty-seven. That's pretty random.
1: Yeah, I mean, but B Riley, Brendan Riley, is a common
0: name. So maybe, maybe
1: maybe there's 36 other Brendan Rileys out there that took his Twitter name.
0: Yeah, maybe he tried like one through 10 and then just had enough and went to 37. And it worked.
1: It's that's, that's very possible.
0: <laughs> so we got the Battle for Atlantis happening this weekend. But I want to bring up, uh, I guess this would be a trip down the hypothetical highway. Because it's not definite yet. It's not set in stone. But it's an idea that I stumbled upon over the weekend on Twitter from the Andy Cats. So you know it's reputable. You know it's a pretty good source. This is in regards to another tournament, a different one. wouldn't happen this year, but maybe down the line in the future, and it has to do with our beloved Big Five. Here's the quote. Quote, so the idea that Zach Spiker said is floating around would be to have all six Philadelphia schools, yes, including Drexel, in a season-opening weekend event to create crazed interest in the sport. The matchups among Villanova, Temple, St. Joe's, LaSalle, Penn, and Drexel would be done via the previous season's final RPI. If you were to pull this off one weekend at the Palestra, then it would take the burden off Nova to wedge in the four rivalry games throughout the course of the season, and it would also create a much-needed buzz. So I guess 16th yeah. playoff yep. for the Big Five, or I guess now would be the the Philadelphia Six crown, whatever you want to call it.
1: <laughs> yep. Would you be in favor of that? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure i saw the quote before we went on here and i was just like we got to do this like it has to like next year let's do it because think of it this way so you get so the top two teams would get buys and then bottom four would play each other and then the winners play the teams with buys they and then those two winners play in the final so then you get so you go friday saturday sunday boom one weekend that's it like the quote said and it's great because it frees up the schedule for Villanova, we can get we can get some big time games in there. You can schedule a Kansas or a UCLA as we talked about with uh the big on the biggie's preview show, like with what team we want to see the most. Uh, you can get those type of games and it creates the buzz. Like the quote said, how awesome would it be to see the Palestra packed for those three days to and to get to see two games each day with the exception of the finals, uh the final day. You get All six teams in there. Yeah, Drexel, okay. Not really big five, but whatever. You got to balance it out somehow. That would be so sick. I would probably go, actually, to the Saturday session. Why not? That would be great. You get Villanova, Temple and on one side, and you get St. Joe's and, I don't know, Penn, just for the sake of throwing them out there. I don't know. but That would be so great to see. That would be fantastic. You don't lose the tradition, so you're not going full Riley Massimino trying to get rid of the whole thing, and you get to free up schedules for each team. Let alone Villanova. I mean, every school can do what they want now. That would be great. And if you win, and if you are on the right side of the bracket, and your RPI falls the right way, you can play Villanova in the semifinals and. In- You know, maybe you can try and knock them down.
0: I do like the system that the seating would be based off of the previous season's RPI and not through, I don't know, like a hat or something that rotates each year. I Mm -hmm. like that it's based on that. I do like the idea. I think it could be great, especially if they can pull it off where it happens on one weekend. You do it at the Palestra, Big Five Philadelphia basketball cathedral. You can restore it to its glory, former glory. You hear the old timers. You hear some of the older alumni they talk about how great the Big Five was back in the day. You go to the Palestra, you catch a doubleheader. The buildings packed to the brim, spirited chanting, rollout signs, fans, and it sounds great. I would love to bring back that feeling, bring back that aura, that atmosphere, because right now it doesn't seem like we get that same feel.
1: Right? No, I completely agree with you. Like, what? What? Why Villanova Temple at the Pavilion on like a Tuesday? Like that? That just that just doesn't sound appealing, really. Like, I remember that game from, I think it was our senior year, it was just dead and just very non-energetic. And it doesn't, like, yeah, it's big five, what do you do? But it's, it's not the same. And I feel like if you put it in a tournament-type style, there'll be more buzz, higher stakes, so it'll be more energetic. Uh, the crowd will be into it, and you'll have a bigger crowd because they'll be there for both games. It would be a high-profile event in Philadelphia for a whole weekend. Why wouldn't you do it?
0: I wasn't even thinking Villanova Temple. I was even thinking, like, some of the other big five games. Like, let's say you get a LaSalle pen two teams that don't really have a history like it's not like villanova temple where there's a rivalry there or like villanova saint joe's where there's the holy war Mm -hmm. you're not going to see a packed arena but with this tournament you get everyone in the city coming in to catch this like it could be an all-day event like you said you know friday you play the first round saturday you get a double header and then you get the championship game on sunday that'd be awesome that'd be a great way to really bring back because i i do agree as someone who comes from new york when I went to Villanova, I had no idea what the Big Five was. I can respect the fact that it's a big deal in Philadelphia, but I feel like it, it just needs a bigger buzz. And I feel like win or go home, do or die, when you have a tournament like that, it'll bring a lot of buzz, a lot of attention, and a lot of excitement to the city and to the Pledsoe and to Philadelphia Hoops, which is, at the end of the day, what this is
1: all about. Yeah, agreed. You, you kind of... You, this. This whole Big Five thing kind of needs a shot in the arm right now. It needs some more life. And I think this is a perfect way to do it. Like, All right, if you want to bring Drexel in, you got to kind of have to bring Drexel in. So what if it's the City Six instead of the Big Five? Who cares? It's, like you said, like from New York, you didn't really understand what the Big Five was about until you got there. Even me, growing up as a Villanova fan, I didn't even, I, I still didn't get the Big Five ordeal when I was watching them and and then eventually going to villanova like it's just not the same from what people have told me like my dad has told me like back when he went like the big five was a much big de- much bigger deal and it was much more fun and much more hated rivalries were established so you need, you kind of need this shot in the arm and this is a perfect way to do it
0: yeah, you look at some of the old black and white photos of the Palestra during a Big Five game or a Big Five doubleheader. You see that that arena, I haven't even seen anything like that today. Like, I don't even think right. the games get that packed nowadays at the Palestra. For some, but I think something like a tournament, a Philadelphia City Six tournament, whatever you want to call it, would bring that excitement back, bring that spirit back, and get everyone excited again. And, yeah, like you said earlier, it's not like Raleigh Massimino being like, oh, no, we're too good for the Big Five. We don't need it. Let's kill it.
1: Right. Yeah, you're still keeping it around, so it keeps those traditionalists happy, uh, because I know a lot of those people exist, and I have no issue with that whatsoever. Like we said, keep it, and then you free up some spots for some bigger games that potentially Villanova can get into, and uh, that always helps the non-conference RPI and stuff down the road. And and that's I think that's probably the biggest advantage for Villanova with that type of tournament.
0: Now, I have a hypothetical for you. Sure. I don't know if this is an actual NCAA rule. I'm I'm just kind of pulling it out just Mm for the sake of a hypothetical hypothesis sure but if having this philadelphia tournament meant that villanova could not participate in any other early season tournaments like let's say battle for atlantis n.i.t tip-off or you know charleston classic whatever whatever tournament is out there maui right would you still take it
1: no 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 i because I feel that look, – look, we were just talking about Battle for Atlantis. You can potentially play Purdue and Arizona in back-to-back games. That's great for the non-conference. That's great for the team going down the road. I'd rather have play those type of teams than – middling around with st joe's and temple and i know they have the potential to get good down the, uh, eventually but I, they probably won't for a while i'd rather be in like the bigger boy tournaments than just doing this type of city six type ordeal but i i guess you're right though i guess if this is a designated tournament i guess they want to be allowed to enter any others
0: i don't i don't know exactly if that's a rule right off the top of my head um i mean i wouldn't be surprised yeah but it's
1: but- probably a rule. <laughs>
0: But, I mean, can't you just schedule better non-conference games and still keep the Philadelphia tournament? Or do you actually just want to see Villanova go down to these elite tournaments like a PK-80 or a Battle for Atlantis where you know big boys are going to be there?
1: No, that's true. No, I I, I would – yes, let me rephrase that. So I guess they could schedule better non-conference games, but you're going to have to get the big ones like every single year. And I don't know if you really want to put that type of pressure on – Villanova to really go out and get the big guys in and out like, each year. So, I mean, because it, it, I feel like some years you can probably get like the big programs in and then the next year you might be meddling around with teams from the Charleston Classic. Like You just don't know. So I'd, I'd rather take the safer bet where you're kind of guaranteed to play at least one or two good teams than trying to schedule these big programs that may or may not want to play you. So that that's the only reason why I say that. But if they can schedule – but if they're guaranteed, like these home-and-homes, like they set up with like Virginia and UConn, like, okay, fine, I'm, I'm okay with it then. Maybe we could avoid Atlantis and Maui and all that stuff. But if it just came down to one or the other, I'd rather be in Maui or Atlantis.
0: Yeah, it's all hypothetical. I mean, we don't even know if this is happening – this is, you know, just an idea that seems to be floating around that caught the attention of Andy Katz. It is an interesting one. I would love to know what other people think. Sound off on Twitter. Tweet us at ViewHoops or at S-O-N-N-Pod with your thoughts. You can always do that about anything with the show, but I, I would love to see what people think about that. I think that's an interesting yeah. interesting hypothesis. I mean, yeah, we're going to have to bring in Drexel. I'm sure Drexel is going to be happy to be finally included, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's, It's something fun. It, I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be cool if they pull it off the right way. Obviously, it has to yep. be done the right way. Agree. Okay. But um, yeah, I think it'd be interesting.
1: Yeah, it would be. I, I, like you said, I'd like to hear some people's opinions on this. Specifically, you know, people who, who've grown up in the Philadelphia area and who actually know what Big Five basketball is about. You can't really get us making the uh, statements on that. So yeah, tweet us anything.
0: So I just want to shift our attention to the other basketball team that was playing in Allentown this past Friday. It wasn't just the men's team playing for them, taking the court before them, was the women's team who took on Lehigh, and they took care of business pretty well, 62-42. to Jumped on them, didn't really make it a game against the Mountain Hawks. They took care of business early. Mary Gadeka went off 13 points, 6-for-6 on the floor. She did not miss and did most of her work in the first half. From that point on, it was just cruise control. Chris, what stuck out to you from that game?
1: Well, the fact that Villanova pretty much dismissed them early. That was pretty much to be expected. We talked about how Lehigh wasn't that great of a team. We mentioned how Villanova beat Lehigh last year with basically the same cast of characters on both ends. It wasn't too shocking to see Villanova perform the way they did, but what was kind of shocking was how Villanova shot from deep and still pulled off the 20-point victory. They shot seven of 37 from deep that's 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 not, that's not good <laughs> that is not good in, in the slightest and as we will make mention they were obviously able to correct that for their next game but yeah against lehigh i guess you can kind of get away with those performances hate to take away a negative from a win but i mean that's what stuck out to me the most
0: yeah while they didn't shoot that well on the floor their defense was on point i think yeah. they just they held lehigh to just 425 shooting in the first half 16 percent uh, you can't pass a test, can't pass a quiz, and you definitely can't win a basketball game shooting sixteen percent right. in any half. <laughs> and Lehigh did improve. I mean, they finished that twenty three percent for the game, but overall, it was just all Villanova. It was all Wildcats, and it was just dominating for, twenty point game. Great showing from Mary Gadeka. Adriana Han also pitched in thirteen points, took care of business. But it's the game after that that I'm sure we really were excited mm-hmm. to talk about.
1: Yes, this is what on this
0: Tuesday morning.
1: Yes, <laughs>
0: we were keeping track at home on our computers to this game on Sunday. <laughs> Ryan Bowman was there at the game, he was repping view hoops. Villanova takes on the number 11 ranked Duke Blue Devils, who spanked them last year at Cameron Indoor Arena. This time around, we saw a much different game on Sunday afternoon. Villanova pulled off the upset 64 to 55. And as we're going to talk about later, that wasn't the only big win at Jake Nevin this weekend, but let's just talk about this game right now. Chris, you get Duke coming to town. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's not Coach K.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) But it's always fun. I don't know what it is. Whenever you beat Duke, it's always good. But when you beat Duke, a top 15 team, you're a young Wildcat squad that's trying to find out its identity. And clearly, I think we know this is a much different team than it was last year. It's older. It's wiser. It's more experienced. And they balled out on Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah, they, they certainly did. And we made mention of this last year, like how the NIT uh, appearance and the deep run in that, how that really, I, we thought it was going to really help them for the next year, how last year was really just a, a stepping stone, a building block for this year. And I, I, they're f- absolutely flourishing right now. Kelly J got 23 points on the day. I mean, absolutely insane performance for her. Seven to nine from deep against a Duke team that is obviously Highly ranked, highly regarded in in the women's college basketball. And Villanova's defense, again, stepping up to the plate, holding their two stars to a combined 25 points. Rebecca Greenwell with only nine and Lexi Brown with 16. It almost made you think that they, they really wanted this game more so than usual because of the way they got beaten down and Duke last year I remember talking about that game with you last year it was really no contest at all really and now they come to Jake Nevin which I guess is just producing good vibes for Villanova this year I mean I guess whatever ghosts are hanging out there are really helping every sport team that plays there so It was just great to see this team firing on all cylinders. They were able to correct their mistakes from Lehigh. Alex Lewin added 17. Jana Tucker added 10. Adrian Hahn added 9. So the big four really contributing to Villanova. They they played in a fantastic game, really. There was nothing really you can get too mad about, too down on them for, yeah they were trailing at half but then on the third quarter outscored Duke by an astounding 26 to 8 margin and then were able to close it out in the fourth quarter so they never really like once they started firing they never looked back and that's how you beat one of these highly ranked teams it's fine. and it's great to see that this women's team is actually able to do so because we know they had their tough losses last year against Mississippi State and Duke now they finally get on the board with a ranked win and this this could really propel them to do something great this year
0: yeah we talked about how they brought back virtually everybody from last year's dW it run didn't really lose that many pieces they only graduated a couple players but for the most part the heart and the soul of the team was coming back and then you had those young classes that were very promising coming out of high school step up they're a year older they're a year wiser kelly jaycott was someone who struggled last year but this year has been playing well and now she blew up seven for nine from deep didn't really miss in that second half helped villanova take the lead pull away and grab control of this game from the Blue Devils after trailing at half. Yeah, Villanova got beat up on the boards, but does that matter when you shoot well on the floor? No. Nope. Does that matter when you hold Lexi Brown, an All American, to 16 points, and Rebecca Greenwell, who's been one of the top scorers since she was a freshman at Duke? One of the high, I think she was one of the quickest players to reach 1,000 points. When you shut down those two, which I'm very impressed with, when I was putting together the preview for that game, I was like, oh, I don't know it doesn't seem like anyone has been able to stop them thus far but you see Villanova get dialed in shut them down really take care of business show up win on your home floor your home opener this is a big W I think it's only gonna go up from
1: here yeah for sure the The, the potential with this team is limitless it's they it, what they've been able to do in such a short time it's considering the like not, not the great teams from a couple years ago now they're really looking you, you were probably you're probably thinking NCAAs now right you gotta be not that they weren't already but this this really puts them right back into the, the forefront, back into the discussion of women's college basketball. And you make a chance at a Big East title here. I mean, look, if you can be Duke, you can really, you can hang with the best of the Big East. That's for sure. It's something to look forward to. And it's, it's something that gives some much needed buzz to something other than the men's basketball.
0: Yeah. This is a team that won 28 games last year with the core tandem of Brown and Greenwell back in action. Take down a team like this, a high caliber team like this, it can do wonders for them. And I know that there was a lot of questions going in. Will Villanova be able to put it together? Will they be able to take all these young pieces, talented pieces, and maybe build something off of it? Yeah, NCAA tournament is the goal. But when you beat a team like this, that's definitely going to be a high seed, I'm sure, in March. You got to feel pretty good about where you are early on in this season. And hopefully they don't get complacent and they only build off from it from here.
1: Right, yeah, you obviously can't get complacent. You can't think that, oh, well, now we beat Duke. Now we can just walk in any game unprepared and win. Obviously, they're not going to think like that. I don't think Coach Pareto will allow them to think like that. Build upon this. Get rolling. Get ready for Big East play. And make some noise in March. That's, that's really all you can look forward to.
0: They'll be going on the road to Vermont for the Vermont Thanksgiving tournament. They're going to take on James Madison. This Thursday at 7 p.m. And then after that, they'll take on the winner of American in Vermont. So we'll keep an eye out for that this weekend. But great win for the Cats, especially early on in the season. Hopefully, they can, can only go up from here. It can really only go up from here.
1: Hopefully, they're able to maintain the success in the Thanksgiving tournament.
0: Chris, I don't know, I'll be honest with you. I don't even know what I want to talk about next. There's just so many like, great <laughs> stories from this past weekend. I, I guess we should, you know, between cross-country, volleyball, football, I guess we should talk about Nationals first since that yeah. is kind of a big deal.
1: Yeah, it is. It's, it's got Nationals in the name, and I think we should talk about that first.
0: So after Bella Berta won the Mid-Atlantic title, Villanova locked up that bid to go to Nationals. They had a pretty great showing. The women's team finished 12th, their highest placement in Nationals since 2011. It's just been a great year for them, really, Between winning the biggest Championship earlier in the year, doing very well at Mid-Atlantic Regionals, and now you make it back to Nationals, and you have a pretty good showing. 12th out of all the teams that went there, mm. everyone did pretty well. You had a few racers finishing the top 100. It's yep. good to see where you are in relation to some of the other programs around here, and 12th is not that bad. That's a pretty good, pretty yeah, good no. 12th in the country.
1: Yeah, 12th is good. Highest since highest finish since 2011. Uh, so, so it's good to see them uh, getting back on track here. But yeah, just some positions individually. Belliberto was 65th. Crowley, Butner, 88th. Hutchinson, 90th. Salofo, 97th. So yeah, there's your four in the top hundred. So they actually had a they had a great performance all around. Yeah, pretty
0: good, solid showing. 12th, obviously, you know you want to finish on the podium, but it's your la- it's your best showing since 2011. It's kind of a nice shot to get the program excited again you get back in nationals i mean who doesn't get up for that right and they finished in the top half 31 teams finished in 12th but then i guess if you want to look at it 12th in the country out of what how many division one programs are there 351
1: Uh yeah i'm sure there are a
0: few more probably like 360
1: Yeah, you know not exactly sure what the cross-country numbers are but yeah Top 12, you're one of the, I guess, elite programs in the country.
0: It's been a great two years for Villanova cross country. I mean, you had Tiernan win last year, the individual title. And then you have the women's team have their best showing in over six years. So that's promising. But then also on the men's side, you had two nice showings from Andrew Marston. Marston finished 55th. And then you had Casey Comer make his first Nationals debut. I'm sure that was an exciting experience for him. 69th. Very
1: nice finish for the new guy. (laughs)
0: it's always exciting to make your debut you know Patrick Tiernan didn't start number one when he made his first trip there so can only go from here great year for cross country we'll see what happens now for the rest of the year between winter and spring but a good start so far to the year for Marcus O'Sullivan and his squad all in all a pretty good showing for Villanova cross country from the men's women's team pretty good season overall the next two things we're going to talk about were just great performances. The football and volleyball team, when your back's against the wall, the odds are stacked against you. They found a way to make things happen this weekend. Big way, a big way. You had the football team. Yeah, their season was pretty much over. There's going to be no postseason for them. Couldn't even finish 500. Really tough year, a lot of injuries. You get playoff hopeful Delaware coming in for your season finale, Battle of the Blue, your big rival in the CAA. And, Chris, we talked about it last time. The first team to score defensive or special teams touchdown would come through in a big way, and Villanova managed to do that. There was a big 37-yard pick six by senior linebacker Jeff Steve. What a great way to do it on senior day to put Villanova up 14-0 early, and from there it just looked like Delaware could not recover from that. They were rattled all day long as Villanova won 28-7. Great showing for the Cats.
1: Yeah, who would have thought that one of our predictions actually came true for one? <laughs> yeah, the defense played absolutely phenomenal, just allowing a basically a garbage time touchdown in the fourth quarter. If Villanova did this only throwing the ball eight times on the day with so they all on the ground. Aaron Forbes, what a great game. 140 yards on 13 carries. That's 10.8 yards per rush. <laughs> absolutely an insane number there. Madden type numbers, actually. Justin Covington, nothing to laugh at either. 12 carries, 62 yards for over five yards per carry. They played an absolutely perfect game. And it like we were talking about last week, we said that this is the type of game you got to get up for. because This is a chance to play spoiler. It's your rival. You want to keep the battle of the blue trophy at Villanova. It's, it was something to really rally behind. Mind. And like we said, this wasn't just some throwaway game against Elon or or URI at the end of the year on the road. This was a home game, Senior Day. You, you had a chance to really show the rest of the CA like that you're not something to play around with, especially going into next year. And then you beat Delaware the way you did, and you knock them out of basically basically knocked them out of playoff contention with them being one of the first two teams out of the tournament. So you play spoiler. You keep the you keep the battle of the blue trophy at Nova an absolutely phenomenal win for Coach Ferrante and his squad and for the seniors playing their last game.
0: Yeah, you have all the injuries. You have all these bouts of adversity. You haven't scored a touchdown in two games. All these factors aside, they didn't roll over. They didn't quit. They just didn't, didn't mail it in. They got up for it. They came up. They came up big, and they shut down their rival. You could tell that the guys were really happy, really hyped to get that Battle of the Blue Trophy. It meant a lot to them and to do it on Senior Day. They didn't pout. They didn't complain. just went out there with the guys that they had, took care of business, got the W, got that trophy. Made Delaware pretty sad because as we saw, as you mentioned, they were one of the first two teams out of the FCS playoffs. So they spoiler was complete, and it did happen, and they did get to do it. And, yeah, it'll be a pretty good point to build off for next year for the guys that will be coming back.
1: Yeah, and it it shows that this team can rally around a coach like Coach Ferrante. Like you you said, if they had rolled over and died, you might be a little concerned that maybe Coach Ferrante might have lost them a little bit for this year and the rest of the team just gave up on them. But, no, it shows that they – they care they they want to win they want to play for this coach next year you got bigger and brighter things hopefully this team can stay healthy and then you can actually get back to the playoffs and make some noise there
0: yeah if you look at the bracket lehigh made the tournament and that was one of the oh, teams really? that villanova beat earlier in the year so you know that they were just wow. right up there outside of those key injuries that happened on offense and rob roll going down on defense early on if those injuries never happened you could I think we're going to see Villanova right back in the playoff conversation, right back where they were before this year, before some of those obstacles came their way. But I think, yeah, I think the best is yet to come for this team. Rough first year for Coach Ferrante, but he knows there were just some things out of his control. Next year, his team is going to come back. They're going to come back, hopefully, full strength. And I think we're going to see Villanova competing again for a playoff spot back in the top half of the CAA for sure.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. It all depends on injuries. I feel like this team is always the most injured (laughs) year in and year out uh, of any college football team. So if they stay healthy, they'll, they'll be fine. So I now want to take our attention to the
0: last bit of big, great news from this past weekend in Villanova Athletics. We talked about the volleyball team's chances, their playoff picture going into this past weekend. Last time we were on the pod, they had to deal with Creighton, one of the top dogs in the conference. One of the dominating forces really over the last few years, a team that had a pretty nice run in the NCAA tournament last year, and one that is looking to do pretty much more of the same. They had to beat them, deal with Providence in order to maybe squeeze into the playoff slot, depending on what happened with Seton Hall. But as we saw, not only did they beat Creighton, they swept them, one of the top teams in the country. And then they went back, and they swept Providence, and now they are going to the Big East tournament for the second time in three years. Great, great achievement for Josh Steinbeck and his team. You know, the pack's against the wall. They really showed up. They really showed up.
1: Yeah, they certainly did. Sweeping Creighton was probably the most astounding point of the entire weekend for Villanova Sports. How, how in the world they swept Creighton when teams of the past that were better or just on the same talent wise. And they couldn't even do that. I mean, I don't know what it is, but that the fact that they just got to him so early. And I feel like Creighton kind of got discouraged. Maybe they're just looking forward to the Big East tournament. So I think that's maybe why, I mean, Villanova caught him on an off night, but Villanova played great that entire game. And then the following up with uh, beating Providence, sweeping them, They didn't lose a set all weekend. Absolutely insane. And off air, we were discussing when you texted me that Villanova had beaten Creighton. We were trying to figure out the tiebreaking scenarios. And I think Villanova what was it you said to me? Is Villanova made the Big East tournament over Seton Hall basically because of a uh, the set number of sets they won against Seton Hall. So you were digging like to the third, fourth tier of tiebreakers, past head to head and past like points scored, whatever it was. Pretty cool to see them back in the big East tournament. Over and Hall, nonetheless, we know how much we hate them. I mean, now they, I think they go up against Creighton again in the Big East tournament. So congratulations, you made it, and now you get to go face the best team in the Big East again. But hey, look, if they can sweep Creighton, I think they'll definitely give them a game. You got something to look forward to again, and hopefully they can actually make some noise. Yeah, big weekend for Allie Loitz and Amanda Peterson Henry. Those two
0: really stepped it up, but obviously it was a team effort when it comes to beating a team like Creighton and coming back to get that clincher with Providence. And yeah, as we were talking over the weekend, Villanova came in one game behind Seton Hall. They swept Creighton. Seton Hall dropped the game. So now they were tied. Now, while basically at that point, based on the tiebreaker, Villanova was in if they won or if Seton Hall lost. But of course, they didn't even give any chance. They didn't even leave anything up to chance. They took care of business against Providence. But the tiebreaker scenario was... Villanova and Hall was tied. So the next tiebreaker was the number of sets won between in a head-to-head scenario. Looked at that. Both teams traded wins and losses by a 3-1 score. So that was another tie. And then after that, the third tiebreaker was the number of total points scored. And when I did the math, when I looked at it, Villanova won. So they were in, in the event of a tiebreaker. But of course, they didn't even leave any questions. Up in the air. They just took care of business, swept Providence, swept Creighton, two big wins, and they're not going home yet. They're going to have a busy Thanksgiving weekend also to look forward to at the Big East tournament. We will wrap up our Villanova athletics rundown with that. A lot of great stories, a lot of great wins, a lot of great games this past weekend from Villanova, and a lot more to look forward to over this Thanksgiving break. In the meantime, I want to take a moment now to open up the mailbox, look at what letters we have, what questions we got from the fans on Twitter and from the comments section. And we got a bunch here, Chris. Yeah. We asked people to send in their Battlefort Lance's questions, Nova Felix questions, Thanksgiving questions, or any other questions. And we got a bunch here. We got a bunch here.
1: Yeah, it looks like we got a few Thanksgiving-themed ones, thankfully. It's nice to delineate from the usual Villanova stuff every once in a while.
0: This first question, it's great that we had one of our best episodes now because I know I'm going to get fired after my response to this question. This <laughs> first question from Chris Lane, oven or fried turkey? Answer incorrectly, and you're banned from view hoops. I already have my resignation letter ready.
1: <laughs> um, ooh. All right. I've always had oven turkey, so – I mean, I've never had a problem with turkey. I know a lot of people aren't f- fans of turkey, but I like turkey. I don't know I don't, what it is. Like, I don't even need gravy. Is, is that a hot take? I don't even really need gravy to eat fried tur- uh, just turkey in general. If Usually if I have enough skin around, it, it's fine. We did do a fried turkey one year, and I literally did not taste any difference whatsoever to the oven turkey. So I guess I'll just go with the traditional oven But that's just because I feel like fried turkey is more of a pain in the butt to really get no benefit from.
0: But doesn't a fried turkey cook faster, if I'm not mistaken?
1: I think it does, but just the whole process of getting it in and out of the fryer, the one year we did it, I don't know, we probably did it wrong. But I just feel that, I don't know, just putting it in the oven and preparing it is just better. I don't know what it is. (laughs) I don't really taste the difference, that's why.
0: I'm so ready to get fired right now. We don't we've never had a turkey at Thanksgiving.
1: Oh my god. Wait, no, you told me this. <laughs> Wait,
0: I, I remember you this. telling me we this. We talked a couple about years. this last year, yeah. Why? <laughs> no one in my family really likes turkey outside of my sister's, so at that point it's just not worth cooking a giant bird. Um, I will say that I have had fried turkey once and it was pretty good. It's pretty good. I like it.
1: It's, it's good, but I just don't taste any difference from the regular turkey. I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know what it is. There's just no distinction. Maybe my palate's just messed up. That's what it probably is. Do you at least have a ham? Do you have some form of meat? <laughs>
0: oh, of course, of course, of course. We, we, either, we, we either do a ham or a giant roast beef or a, a chicken. Usually it's like two of the three. Pick two of the three.
1: Okay. All right. That's not as bad. But come on. No, people we have tofu.
0: Hate. We have tofu and be, vegan dishes.
1: <laughs> there, there are people out there who do that. It's just straight vegan tofu. Tofurkeys. Oh god, is that what they're called? Tofurkeys. Oh, that's new. I actually have never heard of that. Yeah, it's a tofu turkey. You ever hear have a in? I've, I've heard of it. Never had it. Yeah, neither have I. I, 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 I kind of want to have it one day, but I don't know. The duck scares me. The duck part of it.
0: Duck's pretty good. I've had duck before.
1: You have had duck. I've never had duck. I don't know if I want to.
0: Mike Jacobs wanted to throw in a follow-up question. Where does smoked fit into the equation?
1: Smoked turkey? I never had a smoked turkey.
0: Is that a thing? I don't even know. Uh,
1: I've heard of like smoked turkey cold cuts, <laughs> but I don't know of any smoked turkey, like actual big turkey. I don't know where that would fit in.
0: <laughs> so you're still second by an oven?
1: I'm not saying... I'm not I'm not giving... I'm kind of take the cop out here. I, I don't really prefer either I'll, like, honestly you could put a plate of oven turkey in front of me and a plate of fried turkey in front of me i probably wouldn't taste the difference so yeah. i i just like turkey so i don't i don't really have a preference
0: see that's good at least you won't get fired
1: yeah well yeah that's probably why i took the cop out i don't want to get banned i don't want my ip address being banned from view Hoops. i need to read that comment section every now and then
0: uh this is another thanksgiving question and this is from mike jacobs also what is the best Thanksgiving side dish?
1: Why don't you go first with this one?
0: Oh, uh, man. <sighs> See, there, there's a lot really here. There's a lot to unpack here. There is. Because I kind of, you know, I put everything on the plate. It's, it's, like a little, it's like a little sampler plate when it's Thanksgiving time. Yes. Um, I will say, I, I am a big fan of stuffing, but I feel like stuffing is one of those things that need to be done right in order for it to be good. Because there's a lot of bad stuffing out there, but when stuffing is good, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, mashed potatoes are—it's like a first ballot a Hall of Famer. Like you can't really go against mashed potatoes. Like it's like one of those staples that you need. Uh, cornbread's nice, also. Mac and cheese is also good. Also, big fan of vegetables. Uh, <laughs> if I had to pick one, oh god, that—that's really hard. Uh, I'll have nope. whatever Mike Jacobs is happy, having. Having <laughs> okay.
1: no cranberry sauce on there. Uh, no. yeah no neither neither do i i'm not really a big fan of that to be honest yeah neither am i i try to avoid that but yeah my my answer would be my mother's stuffing so every thanksgiving my mother makes stuffing my grandmother makes stuffing my grandmother i don't know what she does with it it's i'm not a big fan of it she cooks everything great she's one of the best cooks ever but her her stuffing i just just uh, it, it leaves much to be desired but my mother's fantastic absolutely fantastic the sausage to bread ratio is, is absolutely great and we were just talking off air because there's one place we always went to to eat uh, our senior year some barbecue place they had sausage stuffing there and it reminded me of my mother's sausage stuffing we could basically eat that like alone i could probably eat that like as a standalone thing it's that good with a, with mashed potatoes it's a close second by the way but i never had mac and cheese at thanksgiving that's that's new
0: I would say it's a sometimes thing. It hasn't been at every Thanksgiving, but sometimes there has been a mac and cheese. And I've, I've, been a, I've been a big fan.
1: Yeah, I might advocate for it this year. If, we, if my mother and my grandmother can get it done within two days, I might, I might just say, hey, uh, add that to the menu.
0: This next question is from Matthew Gregory, The Life Aquatic. Sanborn, Sanborn. Mac Gregory, former V-HOOPS photographer. Shout-outs to 3B. <laughs> is this the best women's basketball team we've ever had and why? i'll hang up and listen
1: <laughs> always love that part at the end um uh, is this the best women's basketball team we've ever had uh no uh, ever no i mean recently probably but ever No. i think back in I believe it was 2003 they had a pretty good team back then i think they might have meet the elite eight so i wouldn't go that far but Hey, hey, hey! look, if that, if that win over Duke is generating that much interest, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was a squad that made the Elite Eight. Uh, I remember just from going to the Davis Center, when they started putting up that new display on the staircase, they commemorated that run. So that was pretty cool. That's probably the best team, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. But I'd say the team has a lot of potential. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. I'd say the ceiling's very high. It's still pretty early, so we don't know what they're going to do. But I think they have a chance to do very well. Very well. And yeah, this is probably one of the better teams in recent history. I would agree with that. So far, so far at least.
1: So far, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because our our freshman year squad was pretty good when we were in the quote unquote old big east. I remember we were very good. Were we? <laughs> we? We made the tournament. That was the last time. Oh really? Oh, it was. Yeah, we oh, lost yeah, we that. lost in the first round, but that was the last time we made the tournament. Yeah,
1: twenty one and eleven, nine and seven, big old big east. Yeah. No, you're right. And the last time that Villanova made it past the, the second round uh, in the NCAAs was 2003 and when they made the Elite Eight.
0: Next one is from Lenny Becks. Will Villanova football ever join the BCS, and what would need to happen for it to get there?
1: Oh, this question. <laughs> it always seems to rear its ugly head. I don't know. I mean, I, personally, I don't know. I don't know what's, if they're ever going to. I don't know what needs to happen. I'm not too involved with that. I'm not involved at all really with any of that I mean I've heard stories from both sides and whatever I, I, I would like to see them join the BCS I wanted I want to see them take that next step but I just I just don't see it happening they would probably need to get a bigger stadium at that point I, I really I really can't say I don't really know too much about the procedure behind it and what exactly goes into becoming FCS to uh, FBS. But I I mean, it would be nice to see because it would generate more interest, I feel like, and people would actually care more in that regard. But I think we have a nice little home at the CAA, perennially one of the top teams with the exception of this year. So we're fine where we are now, but if they do have that option to ever move up a little bit, I'd be all for it.
0: I would love to see Villanova take that jump up, but I just don't think it's ever going to happen. I feel like the administration and the higher-ups just aren't really trying to put any effort into making it happen and i feel like the last time there wasn't legitimate conversation or legitimate push it seemed like the roadblock it ran into was like you said a bigger stadium which we all know isn't happening anytime soon so we're probably gonna be stuck in the fcs it's a bummer because i feel like the football program i mean you look at the attendance numbers i feel like they're slowly on the decline and it's just not good right now and especially doesn't help when your football team's injury filled and just not performing as well you know, it's sad. I enjoyed going to the football games. I went to all of them. Yeah. When we went to all of them, we were in college. So, you know, yeah. it was fun to watch. Well, uh, yeah, you know, obviously, FBS would make it even more interesting, maybe even get more people to come out. But right now, I just, I think there are too many things the higher-ups just need to sort out. I think they need to figure out what identity they want they say they're satisfied with the FCS. I don't know. I think that's kind of a cop-out. But at the same time, I guess there's nothing they can logically or rationally do when they were kind of stuck with the current stadium and Radnor won't let them build.
1: Yeah, it just seems like there's just too many roadblocks in the way, too many hurdles to clear. And it just, I don't know. I feel like it would have happened by now, the way it's been talked about. Like, we were close a couple years ago, I remember. But it's just, yeah, there's just too much pushback from the opposite side. <laughs> And uh, it, it's probably just best we stay where we are right now. Last question is from Mike Jacobs Donald or Lavar? Oh, yes. The big uh, media fiasco going on right now. Well, Lavar's. Le- uh, Lavar, I don't like Lavar. Let's just go out on a limb and say that. <laughs> um, frankly, I don't like either. But look, Don- Donnie got him out. So the least Lavar could do was say thank you. <laughs> I, I don't understand why that's a big ordeal, but it, it, I think you tweeted about it where you said that this is basically free press for the BBB Big Baller Brand, and I think that's what he was probably going for because Lavar is just a giant troll. So, like on the actual issue, I, I, I would be with Donnie on this one, but yeah, yeah, I, I can see why Lavar is doing it because it's all about the press, baby. I've waited for this
0: moment for the last calendar year and it has finally happened. I cannot wait to see how this unfolds. I think you have two of the biggest trolls, two people who will not back down anytime soon. Right. It's funny because you already had Leangelo and the other two UCLA players thank the the Presidente. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny how he's going the extra mile for Lavar's approval. Yeah. But, um, I, I would love to see how this unfolds. I think in a war of words, probably Donnie wins. But Donnie I think if you, br- if you bring them back to their WWE roots, get them back- <laughs> you know, you get Lavar Ball ripping off his shirt and doing his kung fu stance. I think Lavar wins in the ring. Yeah. But I, I just can't wait to see how this unfolds. I think this will be very entertaining and definitely, definitely Definitely. Is Levar on Twitter? By the way, like I feel I like I don't know. I think he
1: is. I don't no, think he is.
0: I think people just quote him what he says, and then he gets it out there regardless.
1: Yeah, I don't think any of the Ball brothers are on Twitter. At least, I, at least I haven't seen any of them floating around. It's pretty funny to see what Annie's uh, tweeting about with him. It's it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> right, but I agree with him though. Why why not just say thank you? You let his son go. You got him out. He could he could still be there. He could be in doing whatever the Chinese government wants him to do in prison. He's I'll tell you why. Why?
0: Because if you remember, when it was draft day, people asked LeVar, what makes you so sure that is going to the Lakers? And he said he has Zeus and Jesus Christ as his sources. <laughs> and what happened? That he went to the Lakers. So I guess that means Zeus and Jesus Christ are actually his sources.
1: <laughs> so he's thanking a Greek god and Jesus. <laughs>
0: Well, no, he said he didn't need the Donald's help, so I guess he, I guess he wasn't kidding. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> wow. He is a troll.
0: Yeah, he is a, he is a giant troll, and now BBB merchandise probably just went up because he got, like, what, millions of people to now look at this
1: tweet? Yep. Yep, basically.
0: <laughs> I saw someone wearing a big baller brand shirt the
1: other day. No.
0: And I was like, man, like, this shirt is just not worth $40,
1: and I thought this guy was such a tool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, really, I, I I never would have thought we'd see BBB merchandise on the East Coast. Definitely on the West Coast, because I feel like definitely they're bu- they're buying into it over there. Even though Lonzo's trash right now, it's not just
0: a brand, Chris. It's a movement.
1: <sighs> I I've steered clear of this whole Lavar Ball thing when he started first blowing up back in like I don't know when was it like March ish of last year, last basketball season. And 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 now all of a sudden he he he's right back into the forefront. I thought we were kind of done with this, to be honest.
0: I will say I never thought I'd see the day where I talk about LaVar Ball on a Villanova podcast.
1: Yeah, Lavar Ball versus the President, nonetheless. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh boy.
0: Lavar's been waiting for this moment. This is just this is exactly what he's been practicing for.
1: Absolutely. All
0: the hot he, takes, he... it was just all for this one moment.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just to get the president all riled up at him.
0: It's pretty fun. But all I got to say is, you know, BBB is a movement just like View Hoops and State of the Nova Nation. We're a movement also. Mm -hmm. Yes, follow follow us. That's all the time we have for today. Hope you all have a pretty good Thanksgiving. Eat some turkey or eat whatever food you want to eat. Enjoy some Black Friday shopping. Hope you get some deals. Hope Villanova gets some dubs. And hopefully we have a lot of good things to talk about when we get back on Tuesday. No pod. This Thursday, obviously, for the holiday and so that we can enjoy some hoops, some time of the fam, some food, and some other Thanksgiving goodies. But our work at viewhoops.com will not stop. We will have previews, articles, coverage, breakdowns of each of the games going on this weekend. So don't forget to check back and check off at viewhoops.com this week, and we're going to have some good stuff, I guarantee it, on the Battle for Atlantis and some of the other stuff going on. Follow us on social media at View Hoops on Twitter and Instagram as well, and also follow the Pod. we have to do a better job promoting our handle, but it's at S O N N Pod on Twitter. Gotta get used to saying that too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and also follow me, Eugene Repay at e Five,
1: and you can follow me, Chris Stancy at the Stance Man on Twitter. I actually have the State of the Nomination Pod handle in my bio, so if anyone ever has questions as to where it is, it's right there.
0: (laughs) Oh, Nation. Happy Tuesday. Thanksgiving will be here before you know it, and hopefully we'll all get some R&R, some dubs, and some good food.